please subscribe and leave a review of Dorky wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can support the pod if you'd like. You can use PayPal or buy me a coffee. There are links to both methods on Dorky's website and in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much. Before the episode, let me tell you about an amazing online boutique that I just know you're going to love. Save Boutique is a great place for clothes, accessories, and shoes. One of the great things about Save is that it's size inclusive. Most items Save offers are available in sizes from small to 3X, and they're looking into ways to offer even more sizing options. They also drop new items every week, so there's always new things to choose from. They even offer three buy now, pay later options, shop pay, Klarna, and Afterpay. One last thing, they're offering a discount to Dorky listeners. Just enter the code Dorky, that's D-O-O-R-K-E-Y, all caps, no spaces, for a 10% discount. I even put a link to Safe Boutique in the description notes of this episode that will take you directly there and automatically apply the discount. So check out the amazing clothes, accessories, and shoes Safe Boutique has to offer. You'll be so glad you did. Hello, this is Dorkey. I'm your host, April. This is a podcast about history. I'm going to be discussing events, people, and sometimes just random things from history that interest me and are important. I am absolutely not an expert or historian. I'm just a dork who spends a lot of time watching, reading, listening to anything I can get my hands on about history, and I want to talk about it. I think a lot can be learned from looking into the past. And I'd like to share what I've learned. And I hope you enjoy it. I'll be honest. I didn't exactly plan for the last episode to be about Amadeus. And I certainly didn't expect this episode to be about Queen Charlotte. But what can I say? I just got done binge-watching the Netflix series Queen Charlotte. And I can't stop thinking about it. And, well, the heart wants what the heart wants. So, I'm going to talk about Queen Charlotte today, and some of the differences between the show and real history. Spoiler warning, I'm going to be talking about plotlines of the show Queen Charlotte, so consider yourself warned. Queen Charlotte was born on May 19, 1744, in Mecklenburg-Strelitz, a duchy in northern Germany. She married King George III of England. They would go on to have 15, yes, 15 children. But I'll get into that in a bit. But for now, let's talk about her early life. She was born as the middle child of a large family. It's said that her education wasn't very academic. Instead, it mainly focused on household management and religion. When she was 17, she went to England to marry George III, who was 22, and had recently inherited the throne. They got married the day they met. I wish I could say that this was because, ONG, they were so instantly in love that they just had to get married that quickly. But no. 
It wasn't unusual for royal marriages to happen quickly like this, with the bride and groom not meeting each other until hours, or, if they were lucky, days before the wedding. It usually had to do with politics, confirming a treaty, or something like that. But George and Charlotte didn't marry because of a treaty. It's said that when the unmarried George became king, it was decided that he needed to get married, and he picked Charlotte because she was young, and the duchy she came from was small, so it was thought she wouldn't really have much experience in politics, or, quote, palace intrigues. So, to put it in another, less kind way, they thought she'd be weak. As we'll go on to see, Charlotte was actually an extremely strong person. Before we go any farther, there are a few elephants in the room that I'd like to address. The first one is about Charlotte. There seems to be a debate about her and her heritage. There are some who believe that Charlotte had African ancestry. And indeed, on the Netflix show Queen Charlotte, young Charlotte is played by India Armatifio. And older Charlotte is played by Golda Rochevel. And both actresses are black. I didn't want to just ignore this subject because that doesn't sit right with me, but I'm here to shrug my shoulders, say that I don't know if Queen Charlotte had African ancestry or not, and then move on to other topics because this just isn't the podcast for that. The other topic I wanted to address was Charlotte's husband, King George III. This is that George, the one who was king during the American Revolution the George who is also known as Mad King George. Unfortunately, they didn't understand mental illness at all in the 1700s, so we don't know his actual diagnosis. I'm certainly not qualified or willing to try to diagnose him. What's clear to me is that he suffered, and it sounds like the treatments they used to try to help him weren't helpful at all, and in fact sound like they might have done more harm than good. They didn't know any better, and while the show makes King George's doctor seem like a villain, I don't think his real doctor was a bad person. I just think he was in over his head, as all doctors at that time were, when it came to mental health and its treatment. I'll just sum all of that up by saying that I think we're lucky to be alive now, in this time, where we have antibiotics and the mental health care knowledge we have. Moving on. So. When Charlotte and George got married, she didn't speak English. She quickly learned it, though, although she did speak with a strong German accent. They first lived at St. James's Palace, but George had recently purchased a nearby property, Buckingham House. Around 1762, the king and queen moved to this residence, which was originally intended as a private retreat. Most of the couple's 15 children were born in Buckingham House. Although St. James's Palace remained the official and ceremonial royal residence. Less than a year after the wedding, Charlotte had her first child. It was a boy. They named him George after his father. This first child of theirs eventually becomes George IV, but to avoid any confusion, I'll be referring to him as the Prince of Wales throughout this episode. As I've already mentioned, George and Charlotte would go on to have 15 children. I know I keep bringing that up, but even just thinking about that makes me tired. All but two of Charlotte and George's children would survive into adulthood. These numbers are incredible for this era, 
Considering that the main goal of the monarchy is producing an heir and continuing the line of succession, with 13 children making it to adulthood, you'd be forgiven for assuming that at least one of those children would have children who'd continue the family line, right? Yes, you'd be forgiven for assuming this, but you'd be wrong. Because, while well, yes, there were 13 adult children, but that number is automatically cut in half when you consider that they had seven sons and six daughters, and George and Charlotte refused to allow their daughters to marry. I'll get into that later. So, at this point in the story, we're just talking about the sons. Out of the sons, only one, the oldest son, the Prince of Wales, had a legitimate child. This child, a daughter named Charlotte, was the only legitimate heir. When I say legitimate heir, what I'm referring to is a child born to legally married royals. For example, one of the royal princes already had 10 children at this time, but none of them were with his legal wife. They were with a mistress. So they, and I'm using air quotes here, didn't count. But then Princess Charlotte grew up and got married. She soon got pregnant, and very sadly, Charlotte and the baby both died during the birth in 1817. This event was tragic, but was also a problem for a practical reason. The death of Princess Charlotte meant there was no heir for the English throne. King George III was well into his illness, and his son, the Prince of Wales, was ruling the country through a regency. With no legitimate heirs, all of George and Charlotte's children entered a sort of race, to be able to have a legitimate child who could be the heir. The show Queen Charlotte flips back and forth in time between when Charlotte and George first got married and this point, just after Princess Charlotte died in childbirth. The family is absolutely devastated by this loss, but the queen calls all of her children in for a family meeting to scold them all for not having another legitimate child among them that she doesn't understand and to tell them to get their ex together and have children. I totally get why the writers of the show chose this way to tell the story, but the truth is that King George III and Queen Charlotte purposefully kept half of their children, their daughters, from having children by not allowing them to get married. No concrete reason for this has ever been given, but it's usually explained by calling George and Charlotte overprotective. George himself is said to have said this about his daughters, quote, I cannot deny that I have never wished to see any of them marry. I am happy in their company and do not in the least want a separation, unquote. This led to the girls being isolated, secluded, and, well, bored. They were unhappy with their circumstances and compared their parents' household to a nunnery. It wasn't until their brother, the Prince of Wales, took over with the Regency that any of the girls were allowed to even get married. The show gives the impression that Queen Charlotte doesn't understand why her daughters haven't had children yet, but the reality is that the King and Queen were the very reason none of their daughters had children by that point. In the show, Charlotte has no knowledge of King George's illness at first, as it's kept from her. This is true in real-life history as well. George's first bout with this illness was in 1765, and his mother tried to keep it secret from Charlotte. George was so bad off that Parliament had passed a Regency Act just in case it was needed. This act made it so that Charlotte would be the regent, and George's mom didn't want Charlotte to know that. Thankfully, 
This bout of illness was temporary, and George got better. He had a second attack in 1788. This attack was more intense and lasted longer than the first. This led to the family moving to the country estate, Kew. Charlotte and the girls traveled to Kew separately from George, and once there, lived separate from him. This is a quote from a source, and it broke my heart. Quote, they regularly visited him, but the visits tended to be uncomfortable, as he had a tendency to embrace them and refuse to let them go. Unquote. This second period of illness also led to a disagreement between Charlotte and the Prince of Wales. She thought he was plotting to have the king declared permanently unfit so that he could take over, while the prince thought that she was plotting to have the king declared fit so that she could take over. Another regency bill was passed in 1789. This one said that the Prince of Wales would be regent if the king became permanently unfit, but it also placed the king himself, his court, and minor children under the guardianship of Charlotte. Charlotte then wouldn't allow the prince to see George alone, even after he was declared fit again later that year. Charlotte even called her son the enemy of the king at one point, and their argument was so bad that it became public. She didn't invite him to a concert that was held in celebration of George's recovery, which was scandalous. The good news is that Charlotte and the Prince of Wales did reconcile on her initiative in March of 1791. Another thing that's in the show that's true to history is there's a scene where they have Amadeus as a child playing for Charlotte. This really happened. He was eight years old, and he and Charlotte even sang a song together. Also, it's not mentioned in the show, but Charlotte had a friendship with Marie Antoinette, even though they never met in person. Charlotte followed the events of the French Revolution closely, and was very distressed by those events. Yes, I have an episode about Marie Antoinette, and the last episode I did was about Amadeus. None of this was on purpose, and I don't know what that means about me, that these historical figures keep making cameos in numerous episodes, but there you have it. I mentioned earlier that a big part of why George chose Charlotte to be his queen was that it was thought she wouldn't really get too involved in politics. But, as it turned out, Charlotte did have some influence on political affairs through the king, through what's known as soft power. Her influence was discreet and indirect, and she used her closeness with George to keep herself informed and to make recommendations for offices. The show ends with one of Charlotte and George's sons, Edward, letting her know that he and his wife were expecting that the line of succession was secure. Hooray! What the show doesn't tell you, but I will, is that the baby Edward and his wife were about to have turns out to be Queen Victoria. Yes, the Queen Victoria. Side note, Queen Victoria would be the one responsible for renaming what is referred to in the show as Buckingham House to Buckingham Palace. King George became ill again, and it unfortunately only got worse this time, not better. Parliament appointed the Prince of Wales as Prince Regent in 1811. The Prince Regent and his wife were estranged, so Queen Charlotte continued to fill her role in royal representation. She functioned as the hostess by the side of her son at official receptions. 
one of which was the celebrations given in London to celebrate the defeat of Napoleon in 1814. Queen Charlotte died in November 1818. Her son, the Prince of Wales, was at her side. George III died a little over a year later. It's said that it's unlikely he would have been aware of his wife's death. Charlotte is the longest-serving female consort in British history at 57 years and 70 days and second-longest-serving British consort after Queen Elizabeth II's husband, Prince Philip. Queen Charlotte and King George III are both buried in the royal vault at St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. One last story before I end this. In her will, Charlotte left her husband the jewels she had received from him, unless he remained in the mental state he was currently in, in which case the jewels were to become an heirloom of the House of Hanover. Upon Charlotte's death, her eldest son, the Prince Regent, claimed Charlotte's jewels, and on his death they were in turn claimed by his heir, William IV. On William's death, Charlotte's jewels sparked a dispute between her granddaughter, Queen Victoria, who claimed the jewels as the property of the British crown, and Charlotte's now eldest surviving son, Ernest, who claimed the jewels by right of being the most senior male member of the House of Hanover. The dispute would not be resolved in Ernest's lifetime. Eventually, in 1858, over 20 years after the death of William IV, and nearly 40 years after Charlotte's death, the matter was decided in favor of Ernest's son, who was named, surprise, George, upon which Victoria had the jewels given into the custody of the Hanoverian ambassador. So, that's the story of Queen Charlotte. It's not the happiest of stories, but I think it's one definitely worth telling. I can see why Netflix decided to make a spin-off of Bridgerton to tell it. I can't imagine the strength it would take to deal with having 15 children and a husband who's as ill as George was. I mean, I think that sounds like a lot to handle privately, but this was all very public, which adds a whole other element to it. I can only hope that somehow the real Charlotte was able to find even a bit of the happiness that the Charlotte from the Netflix show is able to. Some of the sources I used for this episode, EnglishMonarchs.co.uk, History of Royal Women, and Wikipedia. So that's it. That's the episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can reach me at dorkypod at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if I left something out or got something wrong, or let me know if there's something in particular in history that you'd like me to talk about. There's also a Facebook group called Dorky Podcast and an Instagram at Dorky Pod. Join them and be part of our growing community, but also to get extra tidbits about episode topics like facts and pictures. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're hearing it. It helps the podcast grow, but more importantly, your feedback will help me make this a better podcast. Until we meet again, friends.